All right, folks, so today I want to cover something that you're going to hear a lot. Now, if you've never been to this channel before, welcome. And if you've been to this channel a million times, welcome back. My name is Rory. This is my YouTube channel called The Love Chat. Let's just get straight to it. Is uncertainty, is anxiety attractive? And let me be clear. What we're asking is, is the process of evoking anxiety or uncertainty in someone else attractive. These days, there are just a million dating apps, and what we can all agree is that these dating apps probably aren't the healthiest thing on earth, and a lot of the dating apps are based around provoking fear, anxiety, and we can't entirely blame the apps because ultimately we are the users of those apps and our behavior is ultimately going to shape what those apps are really designed to do, so I'd like to focus more on our behavior rather than the apps, but the point is that dating has changed. And a big thing that you'll find within dating is game playing. And it's so funny because all of us can universally agree that we hate playing those games. We hate waiting to text someone back when we really, really want to get back to them the second we receive their message. We hate being ghosted. We hate being ignored, left on read acting as though we are not interested in someone that we are perhaps incredibly interested in. So now, why does this work? Because ultimately, the reason it's still around, the reason we're still playing half of these games, at least some people are, is because it works from time to time. So what's really going on here? Why is it that mystery and uncertainty are seen as attractive? And to shed some light on this, I would like to quote the Journal of Psychological Science. Keeping people in the dark about how much we like them will increase how much they think about us and will pique their interest. Additionally, there was some research done in the University of Virginia where psychologists were gathered together to provide evidence for this thesis. There were 47 female college students, and they were all told that this study simply had to do with the effectiveness and the evaluation of the effectiveness of Facebook as a dating website. The experimenters told several male students from two other universities that had viewed Facebook profiles of 15 to 20 female students and had rated whether they thought they would get along with each of the women. The women were then instructed to read the profiles of these men and report their emotional response and level of attraction. In this experiment, there were a total of four men. One-third of the women were told that they were looking at the profiles of men who had given them high ratings. In other words, they were clearly told that those men were interested. Another third of the women were told that they were reading the profiles of men who gave them an average rating. And the remaining group of women were told, for the purpose of experimental control, that nobody, including the experimenters, knew the scores that these men had given the remaining group. In reality, all of the groups of women were staring at the same four male profiles. Not surprisingly, the women who looked at the men that believed they had expressed high interest in them were more excited. And as you can imagine, the women who had looked at the profiles of men who they believed rated them as less attractive, the women were less excited about. But the highest level of attraction was reported by those who had no idea how they were rated. To quote the study, Women were more attracted to the men when there was only a 50% chance that the men liked them than when there was a 100% chance that the men liked them. So the researchers concluded that 
whereas people may be very pleased that someone likes them, once they're certain of this fact, it loses some of its force. In contrast, when people are uncertain about an important outcome, they can hardly think about anything else. They think about such an event, but do not yet adapt to it, because they don't know which outcome to make sense of and explain. So, based on some research, there you have it. We tend to think and obsess more when we're not sure what the outcome will be, and that pretty much explains breakups in a nutshell, doesn't it? I mean, think about this. Let's say for a second that you knew with complete certainty that your ex was definitely 100% going to come back to you. Would you really have anywhere near as much anxiety? No, in fact, you'd have no anxiety, because you know exactly which outcome is going to happen. Now, on the other hand, let's say that your ex is never coming back, and for some reason, blah blah blah, magic, you know for sure that that's completely true, they are never coming back. Now, you're in for a world of pain, but the pain will subside quickly, because you know that at the end of the pain, there is no point in checking their social media. There is no point in doing any of these other unhealthy behaviors. At the end of the pain, you're going to be okay, and you're going to move on to bigger and better things. There's no point trying to win them back, because it's futile. What keeps us in pain, just like what keeps us in suspense, is uncertainty. Now don't get me wrong, if you're going through something like a breakup, it's traumatic. You need time to heal from trauma, that's normal. You're normal. But we're talking about uncertainty in this video, and uncertainty is a powerful creature. But why? And here's my theory. We are, at our very core, animals, and the purpose of most animals that I am aware of is to procreate and survive. How do you survive? Okay, well, you need to have some type of shelter, at least we do. You need to eat, and that's a hell of a lot easier when you're familiar with the lay of the land. If you are in a jungle, and you know which plants and fruits you can eat because they're safe, and you know where to find adequate shelter, and you know to stay away from these areas because there may be predators, then you know how to survive. On the flip side, if you're cast into a situation that you do not know, a part of the land you do not know, surrounded by plants and food and wildlife that you do not know, surrounded by big, hungry animals that want to eat you, your survival is not guaranteed. It's not certain. It provokes a lot of anxiety. And so you are now looking to find a way to secure your survival. It causes you to overthink, to overanalyze. Now, in the sense of romantic attraction, you're not going to die. Nothing's going to eat you or kill you. Hopefully. But within the romantic context, it will cause you to overthink and wonder. Remember, one of the things our survival instincts tell us to do is procreate. Because if we procreate, our race gets to survive. So, how can we procreate without a romantic mate in order to carry a child? Or to help us form a child, whatever the case may be. And is it not normal that if our instincts are calling us to do something, and you add in all of the uncertainty of that situation, you're going to obsess over it? You're essentially at war with yourself, because you don't know what's going to happen next, which is the uncertainty. And at the same time, your instincts are saying, we need that. We need that to survive. We need that to carry on our genetic code and procreate. Now, I don't want to make it too sciencey, but I think it's safe to say that a bit of anxiety can be healthy if it's managed well. 
you're going to have some anxiety, some fear, some concern, and sometimes that's going to paralyze you. But learning how to rise above those things, learning how to self-soothe, work on yourself, work on your emotional state, these things are all going to help you as a human grow, get better, become more attractive. So how do we combat this uncertainty? Because, like I said, it's going to happen. Well, that's why we work on ourselves. That's why we hit the gym and talk to our counselor and do some coloring and talk to friends, try new things. Because learning how to stalwart ourselves against anxiety is going to help us become healthier, better, and more attractive. And learning in those situations where maybe there's nothing you can do about the anxiety, that though it is anxious, though it occupies much of our time and much of our thoughts, it doesn't have to become all-consuming. Meaning we can still go out and enjoy time spent with friends, and the anxiety is not going anywhere. But we can learn to live with it instead of living against it. I hope this video has given you some things to think about, and that though we hate the game playing, there is some truth to it. I'm always a fan of just calling it what it is. In other words, I'm not going to go out of my way to evoke someone else's anxiety. If I'm organically busy, I'll get back to the text or whatever it might be when I have time. Because if I meet someone new, they should not immediately be elevated to number one in my book. That is a place that is earned. And never above myself. I am number one in my life because I am all I ultimately control. You being able to focus on yourself will introduce balance into your life. So, as I said earlier, the anxiety is probably not going to go anywhere. It's not that we're ignoring it. It's that we are choosing to balance it. Because to give in to anxiety is to guarantee doom. Just remind yourself that you are worthy of love. You are worthy of a healthy relationship. And for the rest, do the work, even when you don't want to. Eat your vegetables. You know what you gotta do. My friends, I hope you found this video helpful, and I enjoy making it for you. Of course, if you would like to coach with me, just visit thelovechat.net slash coaching. But if you're looking for something more along the lines of professional therapy, I have partnered with the company BetterHelp, that's betterhelp.com slash Rory, R-O-R-Y. I'll have another video coming at you soon, but in the meantime, leave yourself be. You're doing fine. And I'll talk to you all next time.